It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Skies are mostly cloudy today. Highs at 68 degrees. Decreasing clouds overnight will drop to the upper 40s. Mostly sunny conditions expected by the afternoon. Thursday, we'll get into the upper 60s for highs. Lows at 45 Thursday night. And on Friday, I'm expecting partly to mostly sunny skies. Just a little bit warmer, too, with highs near 70 degrees. 48 degrees in Appomattox, 52 degrees in Salem and Roanoke, 50 in Danville, 51 in Bedford, 47 in Lynchburg. Well, we are excited this morning to have Ryan Helfenbein with us. He's the executive director for Standing for Freedom. This is a very exciting event that is coming the 4th and the 5th to Liberty University, 25 plus speakers. Good morning, Ryan. Thanks for joining hey, us. Hey, good Hey, good morning. Great to be on. We're excited about this event. This is, boy, if we ever needed something like this, we need it now. Yeah, absolutely. It's a time. It's it's time to speak up. It's time to take a stand in in America, and it's certainly time for the church to wake up. And this mm-hmm. event is on November four and five, right here in Lynchburg, and we're drawing people from all over Central Virginia and, and also North Carolina as well. People who are coming in, even from Tennessee, who are driving up for this event. Two days, 25-plus speakers, absolutely incredible. We're going to have Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. We're going to have Eric Metaxas, Ali Bastucki, Seth Dillon with the Babylon Bee, Michael Knowles with Daily Wire, many, many, many more. Um, but it'll be an incredible event. Well, you know, we hear from listeners all the time who are saying a, a good portion of why they think America's in the shape that it's in now is because uh, Christians have allowed themselves to be silenced. Yeah, absolutely, and I and I believe we've bought into the media narrative lie that that Christians are scarce in this country, and that's not true. Right? Uh, historically, we're the most generous, most prosperous nation that has ever existed in the history of mankind. We've sent out more missionaries, built more churches, Christian schools, colleges, as well as seminaries. It's really about the silence, the awkward silence of the church, while all of this is going on around it. And so we really do have to confront this culture now. Now more than ever, it's necessary for the Church to be bold and courageous to stand up in the face of wokeism, sexual anarchy, and government overreach. And I will tell you, for people who think it doesn't exist here in our immediate area, I will beg to differ. Um, I just did an event, and it was called to be in Bedford County, and there were four churches that turned down a, a, a Stand for Life rally. They wouldn't host it because they didn't want to be offensive. Yeah. We have yeah, got it, to get out of this mentality. Yes, it is a mindset. And we have trained ourselves to thinking that this false neutrality, you know, value neutrality, uh, is that, you know, we don't want religion. We don't need to have religion in the public we don't need to force our values on everyone else, but the reality is that secularists, uh, they are religious people, and they are forcing their values on everyone else, 100%. Including, including people of faith. And so we do need to be bold, and that's what the Standing for Freedom Summit, November 4 and 5, is about. Uh, and I would encourage all your listeners, go to standingforfreedom.com. And you can register there for this summit. So, if they register for this uh, for this event, uh, about what time of day do things get started? 
Yes, so Friday evening we get started at Thomas Road Baptist Church. I would encourage everybody to get there around 5, but we start at 5.30. And we go all the way to that evening to about 9, 9.30 on, on Friday. And then we start back up on Saturday. It's an all-day event. We're going to have you know vendors there. Uh, we'll have a bookstore. We're going to have food trucks. Uh, there's going to be lots of opportunity to meet folks and uh, and to also get your book signed. So, what kinds of topics can they expect to to hear be addressed during this event? Yeah, so we're going to be addressing issues dealing with educational freedom, school choice. Uh, we're going to be dealing with the life issue as well. We've, we've got Kristen Hawkins with uh, Students for Life. Uh, we'll be dealing with medical freedom. Um, there's numerous topics that, I mean, there's no short supply, let's, let's oh, put it I that know. way, yeah. of topics. But I think the most important thing is we're giving them a biblical foundation, a biblical principle by which to argue from. So it's not just a R&D, typical sort of talking points of the national parties, but rather how Christians should think convictionally, uh, compassionately, and courageously about right. these issues. You don't have to be, and this is what I try to tell people all the time, you don't have to be rude, you don't have to be ugly about it, um, especially when you're talking with people who aren't Christians. They're not going to be drawn to to a Christian or that lifestyle if you're if you're just as ugly and rude as they are. So yeah. it, it, it's so we got two things going on there. We need to, yeah. to try to be a light uh, to those who, who are lost, but we also uh, need to stop expecting that lost people are going to behave in a Christian way. I mean, that's a ridiculous yeah. assumption. Yeah. I think Paul even said, who are we to judge those outside the church? Right. But I, I fully agree. We need to be convictional as well. We don't need right. to be wusses. And I think right. That I agree. I, I think that and I, I'm a millennial, and our generation was sort of tempered with that kind of don't don't say too much and i think the posture of the church now is is more of one of silence more mm-hmm. than anything else well nobody wants to be labeled they don't want to be called hateful they don't want to be called racist they don't want to you know nobody but but just because somebody calls you that doesn't make it so that's exactly right so we have to be people of courage people of conviction and certainly people of compassion as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ryan Helfenbein, uh, Executive Director, Standing for Freedom. If folks want to get their tickets, what do they do? They go to standingforfreedom.com. There's a drop down at the very, very top. There's a banner. It says the Standing for Freedom Summit. Mm -hmm. Click on that. Super easy to register. It takes uh, literally a minute to do so. Uh, and, And tickets are very cheap. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're going to put a link up on our social media so people can find it very quickly. It's uh, it's called Standing for Freedom, Biblical Principles in a Woke World, November 4th and 5th. It's practically here. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day. Well, I, I think that this is coming at a much needed time. There's no doubt about that. So uh, pretty, pretty exciting stuff. Well, we all grew up watching the Waltons, and they have just celebrated their 50th anniversary, which is really hard for me to believe. We uh, we grew up watching 
the Waltons. And I know a lot of people said that they didn't want watch the Waltons. But everybody always seemed to know exactly what was going on uh, with the Waltons back in the day. They really did resonate with uh, a country uh, during a time when we really needed that. I think we need it now more than we ever did. People gathered to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Waltons show that highlights a family in rural Virginia during the Great Depression and World War II. And uh, they met in Schuyler, Virginia earlier this week. The director of the Walton Museum, Richard Roberts, said that the Waltons shared traditional stories from the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, It was interesting to me once I moved to Virginia, because I was from Tennessee originally, to watch that show and hear them talk about places like Lynchburg and Charlottesville and uh, to hear those those places talked about. Uh, Of course, Mr. Hamner uh, grew up in Nelson County in the town of of, uh, Shuler, his parents, his grandparents, they talk about going to Scottsville. That's another one that they talked about a lot. Uh, the Waltons received 13 Emmy Awards and three Golden Globe Awards. And uh, now the General Assembly is expressing uh, appreciation. So uh, it really did add to the culture of America because everybody could relate to it. They had families had Elizabeths and they had John Boys and and folks like that. Of course, there's the John and Olivia Bed and Breakfast and the Walton's Museum. Uh, They've kind of made that into a time capsule for the TV show. It's really close to our listening area. So if you're a fan of that show, that's something that you're going to want to maybe go in and take in. There's so many things in this area that we take for granted that we don't go in and and take in and enjoy. And I'm as guilty of it as, as anybody. I mean, I haven't been to Natural Bridge since I was... I think I was six months old or something like that. And there's no excuse. It's really close to us. So uh, that's definitely one that you might want to try to take in. We're going to be back with more of your headlines, more feel-good stories for your uh, Wednesday. And also coming up uh, a little bit later, hoping to be talking with a political analyst from CBS. We'll see if uh, we'll check that out while we're in break. And hopefully we'll have them coming up as well on the Morning Jam. No need to ask. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam, 6 to 9 a.m. on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. The Morning Jam. There are people in this country who work hard every day. Not for fame or fortune do they strive, but the fruits of their labor are worth more than their pay, and it's time a few of them were recognized. I think that pretty much sums up uh, all of our listeners, so... All you guys who are going out and starting your day today, we thank you for your time. We thank you for contributing to uh, America. We appreciate your calls as well. We got Kevin on the line. He's one of those hardworking men that we hear from here on the show. Yep, and uh, we we appreciate and thank you too for rolling out of bed and the crack of dawn every morning and getting your day and your show started too. But uh, uh, the reason I was calling was that I have a customer. He is a direct descendant of the Hamners. Oh, cool. And and um, I was going to see 
if I can give him a call right now. He's he's an older gentleman. He is just Gloria just loves loves him a lot, and uh-huh. and um, uh, you would too. Now he is a talker, so you probably <laughs> you, you two guys would probably just hit it off really well. But he is a direct descendant of the Hamners, oh, and uh, I'm I'm going to give him a call and see if he would take a call from Janet Rose and be live on the radio. And then you and him can just strike up your own conversation. What do you think about that? I, I think I would. I think I would love that, especially in light of the fiftieth anniversary. Okay, it, it, and it can be after yes, nine o'clock. A, we can record it and play it back tomorrow. Um, if, if oh, it, I'd love to hear it live, though. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, All right. Well, if you okay, can, but, if you uh, can I'm, get him. Yeah, I want to see. I, I got to get off here in just a moment. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give him a call, and if he says yes, I will text you back with his name and number, and then you can uh, give him a ring now, okay? That sounds good. We would we would love All that. Right, talk, <laughs> all right, talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye. Yeah, we love those, uh, we love those storytellers. Uh, we've got a, a show that's going to be coming up in December at Second Stage Theater in Amherst where we're going to be doing these kinds of things. We're going to be telling stories and uh, singing songs and, and uh, just having some good family fun uh, matter of fact we've got auditions coming up on thursday tomorrow at second stage if you know someone who likes to do theater who enjoys telling stories now this is going to be done like an old-time radio show so nothing has to be memorized uh, everything will be read and we're looking for people of all ages uh, young old doesn't matter and you can just reach out to me here at 434-248-0704 if you know of someone that might be interested in that. Um, we've got the show ready to go. We're just looking for a few more people to fill in some slots. And we're going to have a lot of fun with that. It's going to be the second Saturday in December. And it's called Live from Rose Ridge. We're going to be doing that at Second Stage Theater. And uh, I'm excited about partnering with them on that. Because I think we need more things like that in this area. Family-friendly shows that people can go and take in and uh, really enjoy. There'll be a lot of laughter, a lot of great music, and a lot of great radio dramas and storytelling uh, involved with that. So that's going to be going to be pretty cool, I think. Uh, well, this is not cool. North Korea has fired 23 missiles, one landing off of South Korea coast for the first time. This is according to Reuters. Uh, they fired 23 missiles into the sea today, including one that landed less than 40 miles off South Korea's coast. And uh, the South Korea president called it a territorial encroachment. It was the first time a ballistic missile has landed near the South's waters since the peninsula was divided in 1945. And most missiles fired by the North in a single day. South Korea issued a rare air raid warning and launched its own missiles in response. The missile landed outside of the territorial waters, but south of the northern limit line, a disputed inter-Korean maritime border. Um, yeah, this is this is one of those things where when you have people behaving badly, like Russia, then these idiots kind of rear up, and they're going to start you know, trouble now that everybody's divided and distracted. And that's exactly what's going on there. No doubt about that. So that's pretty crazy. I don't know. Did you see the story about Julia Roberts 
Julia Roberts has confirmed, actress Julia Roberts, that Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King paid the hospital bill for her birth to help her parents. Why are we just hearing this story? This is an incredible story. After a tweet noting that Martin Luther King Jr. paid for Robert's birth, it's still a little-known fact. Um, It was shared, uh, a clip was shared from the 55-year-old Oscar winner's September interview with Gail King. Today is Julia Roberts' birthday. We did talk about that last Friday. 55 years ago, Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King paid for her parents' hospital bill after she was born. And then they played part of the interview where she said that her parents had a theater school in Atlanta called the Actors and Writers Workshop. And one day, Coretta Scott King called my mother and asked if her kids could be a part of the school because they were having a hard time finding a place that would accept her kids. After the Mystic Pizza star's parents accepted the King children into the program, they formed a close friendship with late civil rights leaders who were married for 15 years prior to the minister's assassination. And Robert said, we didn't have the money to pay for the hospital bills, and they helped us out of a jam. The CBS News co-host added that the Roberts family's friendship with the Kings was particularly significant, especially at the time. In the 60s, you just didn't have a lot of young black children interacting with white children in an acting school. And Julia's parents were very welcoming, and that's pretty extraordinary when you think about, you know, the period of time. The Aaron Brockovich star, her famous family, has frequently made headlines over the years. Eric Roberts was in uh, Star 80. They've had some strained relationships, but uh, he told Vanity Fair that his past substance abuse caused tension between them. Apparently, they're doing better now. Um, it was a, it was an interesting interview. I I had no idea that that was, that that was going on, that they were even friends with, uh, with Martin Luther King Jr. I guess for her, it, um, it was just an ordinary thing that she grew up with. So I, I don't know. Uh, President Biden, just days before the midterms, continues to accuse oil companies of War profiteering on gas prices. Uh, He presented something of an ultimatum, as we've heard, to gas and oil companies are ramping up production or pay a higher tax rate. That's what he said. It's time for these companies to stop war profiteering, meet their responsibilities to this country, give the American people a break, and still do very well. How about we start drill, baby, drill? How about that? Let's do that. Uh, Biden said he spoke from the White House on Monday alongside Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Uh, We heard about that. Uh, He threatened imposing a higher tax on excess profits and other restrictions. If companies don't increase production, I will tell you this. He can come out and say all these things. I really thought he might start producing oil locally before the midterms just in a in a hail mary to try to get some votes he hasn't done that i mean he has stuck to his guns on that and i think they're paying the penalty for it Uh, you may have heard us talking earlier about the real clear politics where they've upped the senate uh, projection 53 to 54 
New Hampshire now showing red. They uh, are predicting that the Senate seats fall 54 to 46 in the GOP favor. They're now thinking Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, all going to be going red, which is that's going to be pretty incredible if that ends up being the case, because um, they weren't always saying that before. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Uh, You may have heard us say earlier that uh, Lynchburg City Councilman Randy Nelson has announced he is going to be resigning. He made that announcement during a work session yesterday. Uh, He's also saying he wants a non-incumbent to fill his seat because that person needs more training to handle the city budget. That's going to be starting on 2023. His resignation going to take effect on November 7th. I don't know that anybody saw this coming. I've sent out a message to uh, to Chris Feraldi to see what his take is on that. Randy Nelson is one of the few that I really do believe is uh, an independent. Whenever I say there's few independents on uh, the city council, he's who I'm talking about because he does kind of, you know, cross the, the aisle on occasion. So I was surprised to read that, that he's going to be resigning there. So... Kind of interesting. Uh, We're going to have our news from WDBJ7. We have Kimberly McBroom. She's going to be sharing some stories with us, including, uh, of course, everybody's talking about the Hulu special about Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, That's going to be one of the stories that they're going to be talking about. And then an update on that shooting in Danville. She'll get us an update on that uh, all ahead. And we'll take a look at your your weather forecast as well. It was warm yesterday. Looks like we're going to have a, a few warm days this week. All that and more coming up here on The Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. Thanks so much for listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. Hi, meteorologist Brent Watts. Skies are mostly cloudy today. Highs at 68 degrees. Decreasing clouds overnight will drop to the upper 40s. Mostly sunny conditions expected by the afternoon. Thursday, we'll get into the upper 60s for highs. Lows at 45 Thursday night. And on Friday, I'm expecting partly to mostly sunny skies. Just a little bit warmer, too, with highs near 70 degrees. Currently, we have... 48 degrees in Lynchburg, 51 in Bedford, 51 in Roanoke, 51 in Danville, 52 in Salem, 50 in Appomattox. And just this friendly warning or reminder that the clocks are going to fall back on Sunday. I'm pretty excited. Not going to lie. It's going to make me really, really happy. Looks like the uh, first weekend of November is going to be pretty warm as the clocks fall back, but that's okay. I can handle that. As long as I get my hour back. I will never fully understand why we have daylight savings. I get it because of farmers, but like. Yeah, well, we just need to like switch it this time and leave it. Just leave it. Leave it alone. With midterms. Just like Arizona, I guess. Right? With, 
Don't they not have it? I think so. Uh, With midterms now less than a week away, we are learning more about a hiccup when it comes to voter registration. This comes after Virginia election officials discovered an additional 149,000 voter registration transactions that were not properly processed this year, creating a new headache for local election officials in the final week before Election Day. The Virginia Department of Elections said that this is an IT issue directly related to a previously reported computing error involving the statewide voter registration system. They said these transactions included address updates, new registrations, and other changes resulting from visits to the Department of Motor Vehicles between May and September of 2022. Lynchburg's registrar also impacted by this uh, statewide program. Uh, Electoral Board Chairman David Newmeyer says the state gave the Lynchburg office 1,060 additional voter registration applications to process on Tuesday alone. He said when the tens of thousands of backlog registrations got released all at once, the state had to farm them out to local offices to process at a time when they're already super busy. And he said some of these voter registrations date back to May of this year. A plan to revitalize Northwest Roanoke and improve the lives of residents is coming into focus. Yesterday morning, Goodwill Industries of the Valleys and the City of Roanoke and other community partners now planned for a new center that would include a grocery store, a high school for adults, a wellness center, and baking services. The plan will repurpose the building that has served as Goodwill's headquarters and restore services to Northwest Roanoke. Richmond Vincent Richmond Vincent is the president and CEO of Goodwill Industries for the Valley and said that they're there we are not creating something brand new they are doing something that hasn't been done before we are restoring the community back to what it was once before before urban renewal the plan has been in the work for several years as community activists laid the groundwork to bring a grocery store to the neighborhood with an adult high school wellness center and baking services neighborhood associates say it can have a much bigger impact well the lynchburg city council could vote to allow a major apartment and condo development to be built on old Grays Mill road to allow it the council would need to approve a petition to amend the future land use map from medium density residential to high density residential and rezone the area where it would go It would be located in an area across from the Lynchburg Humane Society. The uh, ZZ and ZZ LLC is petitioning to rezone on nearly 12 acres located in that section of Old Gray's Mill. This would include 169 apartments, 29 condominiums, an office, clubhouse, pool, 262 parking spaces. Uh, There was a public hearing on the development, and um, it's going to be going before council in December. Is that road big enough to handle all that? Uh, I'm not convinced that is. So that'll be interesting to see how that one shakes out, because I'm not sure that one's big enough. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Coming up in just a little bit, we're going to be having an an interview on midterms with a political analyst, Leonard Steinhorn from CBS News, and uh, he's going to be talking about 
exactly what these latest polls are looking like, this real clear politics. I think that's super interesting. Uh, Georgia is setting new in-person early voting records. We're going to ask him what he thinks that really means. Um, So looking forward to having that uh, interview with him coming up very shortly. This story, super disturbing. I don't know. I, I don't remember this story from last year. Iowa teenagers accused of killing their Spanish teacher. Now a motive is being revealed for the first time since they were arrested in 2021. Uh, Maybe I don't remember it because the motive wasn't revealed before, but apparently these two Iowa high school students killed their Spanish teacher last year as retaliation for getting a bad grade. That is according to court documents that came out yesterday. The documents reveal a possible motive in the case for the first time since Willard Miller and Jeremy Goodall were arrested in November of 21. The boys, who were both 16 at the time, are facing murder charges for the death of their 66-year-old teacher, a Nohima Grabber. According to investigators, Miller had met with Grabber on November 2nd to discuss his poor grade in her class. The teacher drove later that day to a park where she was known to take daily walks after school. Witnesses reported seeing her van leaving the park less than an hour after she arrived with two males in the front seat. The van was left at the end of a rural road. Witnesses later picked up the two boys as they walked down the same road. The teacher's body was found at the park the next day under a tarp, wheelbarrow, and railroad ties. She had literally been beaten to death with a baseball bat. And one of the teenagers bragged about the incident on social media. When speaking to police, Miller said he was frustrated over her teaching methods and how his grade in her class was lowering his GPA. The poor grade is believed to be the motive behind the murder. Miller initially denied involvement in his teacher's death, but later said he had knowledge, but he didn't participate, that a roving group of masked kids were the real killers who forced him to give them his wheelbarrow to help move her body. He also claimed the alleged masked kids had him drive her van to the park. Come on. If you're smart enough to get good grades, you're smart enough to know that that story's not going to fly. A witness provided photos to investigators of Snapchat conversations with Goodell that reveals admissions that he acted in concert with another person to bring about her death. The witness said he made comments implicating himself and Miller by name. But Miller's lawyer claims four search warrants were issued illegally because law enforcement failed to provide information to the issuing magistrate to show the informant is reliable or that the information from the informant should be considered reliable. Miller's scheduled for trial March 20th. Goodall's trial is set for December 5th. They're both now 17. They'll be tried as adults, and I hope they are punished severely. I, I just can't even imagine a kid killing somebody because your GPA is brought down by a poor Spanish grade. Unbelievable. Just, just, and I don't want to call kids 
evil, but that is positively evil, just bratty evil. I just can't even. We'll we'll keep following that story for sure. It's time for Janet's Five and Dine on the Morning Jam. Give her five minutes and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. Five and Dine is brought to you by our friends at FNL Market. They're on Memorial Avenue in Lynchburg. They are cutting and grinding fresh meats every single day, including uh, they also make sausage on site, which would be perfect for today's recipe for sure. Uh, be sure to call FNL and order your holiday hams because hams and turkeys are being ordered now just in time for the holidays, especially if you're looking for a corporate version, uh, then you're, you're definitely going to want to check that out. Uh, I gave you a recipe for a savory acorn squash. Now, you can use acorn squash or you can use butternut squash, either one, uh, but it just makes a really delicious meal. I stuff a lot of squash this time of year. Uh, you're going to start by preheating your oven to 425. You're going to cut your acorn squash in half. Now, there's just two of us usually, so I reduce this down to just one acorn squash. That's enough to feed two people. You're going to brush that with olive oil, and then you're going to put it face side down on a parchment-lined bake sheet. Bake it in the oven for about 25 to 30 minutes. When you check it, you're going to want it to be about the texture of a baked sweet potato is what it's going to remind you of. While that's going on, you're going to start making your filling in a skillet. Start by taking that FNL sausage that's ground fresh in-house, and you're going to cook that down into your skillet, breaking it up as you go. And after you get that cooked down, set it aside. Then you're going to put in your celery, your onion, and a little bit of garlic. You're going to cook it until the onion is translucent. Then you're going to put in your herbs, thyme, uh, a little bit of sage in there as well. Salt it and pepper it really nicely. And, uh, and then you're going to add in an apple of choice. I like Pink Lady or Golden Delicious. Uh, mix that in with the, uh, with the veggies. And then you're going to put the sausage in and then stuff that acorn squash. I like to put a little bit of panko breadcrumbs on the top and then crisp those up at the very end. It is completely a perfect meal contained right in uh, that squash dish. You can serve it right up to, uh, to your uh, loved one that's uh, eating dinner with you. Or if it's just for one person, eat half of it for dinner and then take the rest for lunch the next day. It's delicious when prepared that way. You want to see the recipe? Just go to Facebook, type in Janet's Five and Dine. You'll find this recipe and all the recipes that we share here on The Morning Jam, brought to you by FNL Market, where their meats are a cut above. It's the rebirth of Common Sense Talk Radio. We are The Morning Jam. I come from a long line of Southern cooks, and one thing my mama always told me was ingredients matter. That's why I trust the experienced butchers at FNL Market, Lynchburg's only locally and family-owned independent grocery store. Their staff cuts and grinds fresh meats daily and will offer you the personal service you desire for everyday meals or special occasions. This week at FNL Market, save on family-packed ground beef, $2.98 a pound and ground fresh. Bottom round roast are $4.98 a pound. Whole boneless ribeye sliced for free are $6.98 a pound. Save on family pack pork chops, $2.79 a pound. And family pack pork ribs are $1.59 a pound. Be a VIP Savings Club member by texting FL Market to 833 605 1804. 
Stop by FNL Market today, 2517 Memorial Avenue, Lynchburg. Their meat is a cut above. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam, 6 to 9 a.m. On the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Well, midterms are drawing ever closer. Seems to be what everybody's talking about. And depending on who you talk to, they think they're going to have a red wave or uh, maybe not. We're going to be talking with political analyst Leonard Steinhorn right now from uh, CBS. Thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, happy to be here. Thank you. So a lot of people are talking about the race in Pennsylvania um, and about the performance of Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman and how that debate is going to impact the results of the election. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Well, again, uh, it could because he was halting. He didn't seem like he had a command of the issues. He's certainly dealing with a disability because of his stroke from, uh, you know, five or so, six months ago. Um, And the question is whether that will that matter in a highly polarized environment uh, in which uh, there are his opponent, Dr. Oz, has his own liabilities that he's seen by many as a carpetbagger, somebody who just moved to Pennsylvania to become a senator, Um, somebody who has some questionable views on things to many sort of mainstream voters, uh, somebody who is supported by Donald Trump, which may be a plus right. uh, for certain voters or not. and a negative for other voters. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, look, Fetterman uh, is basically saying, look, I'm recovering. You know, this is what you have to expect. What amazes me is that they even agreed to a debate in which you have maybe 15 seconds or 30 seconds to respond to something when he's dealing with a disability uh, that deals with auditory processing. Um, so the very fact that they agreed to a debate that had time structures that weren't very helpful for anyone with this disability right now is, to me, a form of political malpractice. Um, uh, so, uh, but they did it. It had, may have an impact. But again, a lot of people's views are already baked in, so you just don't know if this is going to tip it. There's one other factor involved, which is this, that the Republican running for governor, uh, Doug Mastriano, is a hardcore uh, Trump supporter. He's an election denier. He has some really extreme uh, perspectives on things, uh, and he's been sort of leveled with accusations of anti-Semitism. Will people go out to vote against Mastriano And, A, will they split their ticket and vote for Oz, or will they just vote straight Democratic because they're so uh, offended by what Mastriano represents that it might actually help Fetterman? So these are all different factors and moving parts that we're not sure how they're going to play out. And, again, um, if anyone were to ask me, hey, who's going to win, my response is, hey, I just don't know. We will find out when the real polls matter right. uh, uh, after November 8th. Um, there's this old uh, baseball legend, Yogi Berra, who used to say, I never make predictions, especially about the future. And in that <laughs> sense, uh, I think that's where we all should be on this. Especially in Pennsylvania. Oh, yes, in Pennsylvania. But it applies elsewhere. It applies to Arizona, for sure. Nevada, for sure. Um, it could apply to North Carolina, maybe even Ohio. Uh, maybe New Hampshire, where the Republican just got a really good poll number. Again, it's a poll. We don't know what that means. They are sort of deciding who their likely voters are, and the pollsters could be way off on who the likely voters are. Uh, we just don't know. 
It could even be a wild card in Utah in which an independent, not a Democrat, an independent who's supported by the Democrats because the Democrats didn't put anyone up, um, who's pretty conservative on a lot of issues. He's anti-abortion, but he's challenging the Republican, uh, Mike Lee, uh, and this race is tightened up. And this independent, Evan McMullen, basically said he's not going to caucus with either party. So what could that mean in terms of who gets the majority in the Senate? So there are a lot of wild cards going on. Uh, in this election. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of headwinds against the administration because that's typically typically the case in midterms. But then again, there's a Supreme Court decision last summer, which motivated so many people. And when you look at the Kansas election on the abortion referendum, where everyone thought it would be tight, it was a resounding victory for the pro-choice side. So could that be a sign of what might happen, let's say a pink wave or is that something that happened over the summer and people have forgotten about it by now and it's not a salient issue? So, again, we don't know. And if we over-rely on pollsters who are making their own value judgments about who they think is going to vote and that determines what their polls are going to be, you know, we may be making a mistake because, we, as we've seen in the past, pollsters have been wrong. Well, uh, they they have been wrong, and and sometimes they're right. One of the things that we're seeing, uh, especially locally or in in hearing from, which has surprised me somewhat, is that the abortion issue is not nearly as high up uh, on on as far as what is motivating people to vote as as people thought it would be. It may not be. Again, it seems to have declined in importance. But again, think about human nature. When you, What you're seeing in the news is a media narrative about um, inflation and economic pessimism. And so... Well, and, I, and I'm going I, I'm, I'm to ask you, though, about this, because you, you say it's a media narrative that's being pushed, but it's, it's not just a media narrative. People are not able to to buy groceries i mean the inflation if you just go into the store is unbelievable right now Uh, and it's affecting their bottom line nobody's denying that but let me ask you this question then um let's say inflation were one and a half percent and unemployment were nine and a half percent we'd be talking about that people didn't have jobs and couldn't buy things but right now unemployment is sort of at record lows and more people are working. And in fact, employers can't find people to have jobs. Yeah, but more My people co- are working more than one job as well. Well, they may <laughs> well be, but they've always been working a lot of jobs, people especially on the lower end of the income scale. But my point is this. The economy is very complex, okay? Mm-hmm. We are dealing, you know, and it's not just one number that is sort of affecting everybody's lives. So what the media do is they sort of focus on the bad news. There's a bad news bias in the media um, that always says that things are really bad when they highlight all of those things. My guess is if you looked at, let's say, the evening news shows and counted the stories on inflation versus the stories of the number of people working and employers having a hard time finding people actually to work because so many people are working – you'd see a very disproportionate uh, number of stories on inflation and very few on the fact that a lot of people are working. Um, So my point is that these are complex issues. I'm not denying what you're saying. We all notice it at the gas pump, how it spiked, went down, spiked a little more, and is sort of settled right now. We all notice it at the grocery store. People notice that all the time. Um, But uh, these things tend to get reinforced and simplified by a media narrative that gets... uh, 
sort of piped into our homes on a, on a daily basis. I'm not saying that those things are wrong. I'm just saying that those things are more complex. Then add to it this. Um, why do we have inflation? Okay, It's very easy to be able to point the finger at the party in power, and we do that all the time. But we just got through a pandemic in which producers and energy suppliers basically stopped producing a lot because they didn't think that there would be demand. And then when the pandemic started to die down and they started to produce more or wanted to produce more, what did they get hit with? Supply chain problems that were worldwide and beyond the ability of either a Trump or a Biden administration to deal with something like this. So therefore, you have fewer goods out there and more demand for those goods. That's what equals inflation. And on top of that, you have a war uh, instigated by Russia that's having an impact on energy prices. And we're not producing our own energy, and we're running out of diesel fuel. And yeah, there's a lot of things uh, factored in as well. We actually are doing well as a country uh, producing energy. Um, You saw that in the Obama administration, the Trump administration, the Biden administration. But um, uh, oil and energy prices are not determined just within our borders. They're determined in an international market. Indeed. And so, so again, this, you could say, hey, Joe Biden, you know, you didn't do your job when you went to Saudi Arabia that you promised you would because the Saudis want to raise prices. Um, but these things are very complicated, but they often get simplified. Um, but again, this is human nature. This is how we do politics. And the bottom line is that the party in power is going to suffer because of that. But let me go back to your original question on abortion. Yeah, 20 seconds. Interesting one. Okay. Um, it gets... We don't know if people are saying, yeah, I'm pissed off because of these high prices. I don't like this. I'm, you know, I'm this. This is motivating me to go out there. This is what's concerning me. Mm -hmm. But it still may be that they're concerned about abortion. It's just not as salient as issue as it was a few months ago. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate your uh, your comments. Hope to have you again. Thank Mm -hmm. you. You're listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.9 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA-FM Greta Danville.